You know, one of the most exciting things about working with Gun.io is I get to work with some of the most important consumer brands and fitness brands and enterprise brands. And what you find is that they're all looking for the very best talent and they're competing for it. And one thing I tell clients all the time is that, hey, you know, if you can develop um, the mindset to, to hire remote freelance engineers, what you're going to find is that it opens up the pool of available talent because you're not going to have to fight over the same group of FTEs from all the other companies in your space. And so now what we can do is bring you a cohort of people that other companies aren't competing with you against. And it's really a competitive advantage to take stock of that and find some excellent people you can bring on board. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining us. Good to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Ledge. Uh, looking forward to it, and thanks for having me on. So if you don't mind, give a quick introduction of uh, yourself you know, and your work, um, the things you're doing now, so we can you know, dive in and uh, give the audience some uh, interesting tidbits. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so right now I'm the Senior Director of Worldwide Solutions Engineering uh, at Conga. And, you know, started out uh, as an engineer, so writing code um, uh, for SaaS applications, kind of when I started out, um, and then you know, gradually uh, moved into uh, a more customer-facing role. Um, so doing demos and presentations and proof of concepts, Um I have a lot of passion around um, presenting and presenting value and, and those types of things. So I uh, moved into a solutions engineering role. And then over the past probably oh, 15 years or so, been managing technical teams, both solutions engineers um, and then moving over to, um, you know, just software engineers and, and whatnot from there. Um, and one of the things that I've kind of seen just in general um, and is a big point for me is around, I would say, growth and development and skills, right? How do we continue to grow skills and grow our individuals um, and our teams? And I really look at three kind of top skills uh, for particularly solutions engineers, and that are technical skills, selling skills, and then interpersonal skills, such as emotional intelligence. Yeah. Wow. Lots to unpack there. You know, uh, those of us who have been in and, and sometimes remain in the engineering seat are not maybe famous for our emotional intelligence, although uh, you know, there is a great deal of convergence there. And we, we do find that, in fact, uh, when I talk to engineering leaders, you know, that's like one of the number one uh, selection factors, you know, that, that it isn't about code tests anymore. I mean, it's sort of the, the table stakes of getting a technical job or, you know, you can code and you understand good practices and you can do your algorithmic, you know, sort of development, things like that. But the biggest piece is around that, you know, emotional intelligence. And I, frankly, I don't know that we have done a great job, you know, arming our, our engineering class with the tools for that. So that professional development, you know, makes, makes a huge difference. Uh, what are some best practices there? You know, if that's something that you're 
invested in and, and working on on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think when we, when we talk about, you know, emotional intelligence, there's, there's a lot um, around that. Um, and I think at times people feel like, is it something that you're born with or is it something that you can develop over time? And I think the research shows that it's something that you definitely develop over time. Um, you know, so I think one of the things that comes to mind initially is just the self-awareness piece. Um, so how aware are you of both your own emotions, right? Um, and how you're feeling, thinking, doing things, and then how that kind of comes across to other people, right? So, you know, I think a good example of that is, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I had a, a tough night last night with, say, my daughter, right? And I didn't get much sleep. I come into the office today and I'm meeting with my team and I'm, I'm grumpy, you know, I'm, I'm a little irritated. So immediately the team's kind of like, wow, is, is something going on? Did, did something at the company change? Did, you know, I do something if you're talking to somebody individually around that. So I think the first piece is around kind of that, that self-awareness, uh, understanding how your actions and emotions um, can affect obviously you, but then the people around you and how, good and bad, right? Um, how that may affect their yeah. emotions and mood and, and some of those things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so much about uh, self-awareness and I would say situational yeah. awareness, you know, that you, you are not a good, none of us are a good compartmentalizer. Um, we, we think, I think that we're as good at compartmentalizing as we are at multitasking. <laughs> and yet, uh, all the research would show you that in fact, that is a, a convenient lie that your brain you know, tells itself and you're not good at that. You can't do it. Uh, you're not built that way. And so just to be aware of, you know, that you're bringing your sort of whole self, right. Holistically um, to that position. And it's so important now when engineers are being asked, you know, more and more and more, it's not just about engineering meetings anymore. You know, like customer facing roles are really like all the roles. Now the days are gone when, um, you know, early in my engineering career, you know, we actually were, um, encouraged to sit in the basement, you know, with all the lights off and, you know, sort of monochrome screens and hammer out code and God forbid you ever talk to the customer or the user or anyone, but you know, that, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, there's this, this rapid convergence of, of product and engineering and, and customer success and, you know, all those things. And certainly in the solutions engineering and uh, sales engineering seat, you know, you're kind of hyper aware of that how do you make the whole organization kind of rally around those points? Yeah. So I think with that, um, I think you talked a lot about that in terms of just being aware and, and putting ourselves in our customer's shoes, right? So a lot of times we get focused as an organization around our process and our procedure, right? But we really don't understand the customer's journey you know, what are they going through from that point of view? Whether that's, you know, if we're developing um, new, new product, right? And being able to understand how is uh, an end user going to interact with this product, right? And really putting us, putting ourselves as the engineer in their shoes. Um, or even when we're going through, say, the sales process, right? Like we may have certain things internally that we want to do to make sure we're tracking and, and those types of things. But a lot of times those can be onerous to the, the customer in their journey because they're like, why do we have to go through this step or this process? That's not how I buy software, for example. 
Um, so I think being able to understand from the customer's point of view, what's most important to them and removing some of that friction. And if you can get that aligned as an organization and kind of that, I'll say a customer first or customer centric mindset in everything that you do, right? Um, from sales, from marketing to engineering, to product management, to customer support and success, um, and services that, you know, I think that that helps, uh, you know, with that piece. So we're talking about this in a very abstract level. I'm, I'm curious, you know, from your experience, then I don't know, maybe with some, some examples where, you know, things were not on the right foot and uh, customer experience wasn't top of mind and, and you had to make some course corrections. I always find it's easier to identify the symptoms sometimes than, uh, we all know we should do these things, but you know, what's it look like when you're, you know, a little off kilter on the road and, and how do you refocus? Do you have any examples like that? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, a couple examples come to mind. Um, you know, so one is, um, you know, we're going through, for example, a, a user interface redesign, right? Um, and so as we're going through that, um, you know, we come up with, hey, this is how we think sh- things should work and, and, and that whole thing. And then we start rolling that out and we didn't get enough, say, input from, say, the customer base, right? Um so being able to spend a little bit more time with them, do some more interviews, say, you know, here's here's where we were coming from and some of the feedback that we heard. Um, but now let's, you know, let's kind of get what what additional things and iterate through that, right, from that point of view um, to kind of help reset that uh, piece with our customers. Um so I think that's that's one area. Um another area, um, you know. A lot of times in a sales engineering role, um, a lot of it is around showing product, right? People want to see a demo. And so there's a balance between trying to get enough information to show a demo that's going to hit their points, right? Um, Versus, uh, you know, just interviewing somebody, getting as much discovery as possible and kind of almost boring them to death just with question after question. You almost feel like you're, you know, being, um, you know, interrogated, right? So some of the feedback that that we've gotten at times is, um, can we just see something, right? So instead of getting, say, a solutions engineer involved, uh, delivering something like a video, right, where people can just see something. Um, okay, now I understand the product. Let me tell you a little bit more around what I'm trying to do uh, from my point of view. Now that I can see things, kind of feel in touch, I have a little bit better understanding, um, you know, from that point of view. So again, we're trying to fit people in a specific, like, this is our process. You need to do this, this, and this. And we got some feedback saying, yeah, but what if I want to see something before that, right? Like I should be able to do, you know, go on my journey with me as the customer. Right. You know, and what you bring to mind is that you're having sat in a number of different departments, you know, that, uh, particularly in operations and marketing, you know, we, we kind of want everything to be the same and making processes. And it's just so much easier to track and count. And, and from the sales seat, then, you know, also having sat there, you, you come back and you go, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like every customer is different. Do you want me to make the sale or not? Yeah. You know, and, and of course there's that middle ground, right. You know, uh, but it, it's so easy to, to think, you know, and, and engineering would be the same thing. It's like, geez, if we didn't have to deal with the damn customer, you know, trying to change everything all the time, you know, this would be so much easier. Of course they pay the bills. Right. So, 
I mean, I get it, you know, and I think everybody has that. You've got to put on that empathy hat inside the organization. I mean, forget about the before you get to the customer. It's like we all have to realize that 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 we're trying to get to the same goal. And sales is going to say, "Dudes, I'm going to sell whatever you need me to sell. You know, like whatever I can to get the deal done because that's what we need. We need customers." And then everybody else is going to say, well, we need to actually deliver the thing. So you can't just make stuff up, you know, and you can't fork the product for every customer. And, uh, you know, I get it. And there's that constant um, push and pull. And it, it really, I guess it comes down to, you know, sort of uh, organizational trust and, and culture to, to put that together. I, I'm sure that, that you have many stories, you know, along those lines, having sat in in the sales seats. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you, you bring up a good point, you know, around culture, right? So you want to be open and honest with your customers, right? And not say overselling things or, you know, selling things that aren't there, um, you know, from that point of view. And, you know, at times there is that, um, you know, that, that friction, right? Between selling and, you know, you want to sell the latest and greatest and, you know, push features that are, you know, coming and, and things like that. Um, but again, when it comes to delivery, when it comes to customer success and support, and again, thinking about, you know, putting the customer in, in mind, it's like we need to do what's right and best for the customer, right? And if sometimes that means that, you know, we're not the right fit for them at this point in time, you know, that's fine. Let's be open and honest about that. Let's share our journey, where we're headed, where we are right now, where we're going to be. And if that's a journey that, you know, the customer wants to come on with us that, you know, then let's let's go ahead and, and go down that journey and really create a, a really good, strong partnership, which I think is, you know, really important from, from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, you know, creating that good experience, like people are going to come back a long time later. It can be a long tail and just say, you know, Hey, those, those people were straight with me and, you know, I, I wanted to buy that solution, but you know, it wasn't where I needed it to be at the time or, you know, what have you. And then years later, they're going to come back and they say, I saw you changed companies and you're now doing whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, it, maybe this is a good time to re-engage. You were always someone who was honest with me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that long-term disposition. Um, I, I'm thinking, you know, again, that, that intra-company, you know, culture and dynamics, you know, all of us who have sat in the engineering seat have also you know, heard the, the endless barrage from the users and sales of, you know, all the things they want in order to make the, the product better. So if it's their like, you know, ideal use case. Right. And, and it's completely overwhelming, you know, sort of at times. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm curious, you know, since you sat in both seats there, you know, how do you think the interaction with sales and product and engineering should go, for, you know, sort of prioritization because, you know, again, sales and customers, they're, they're hardwired to always want the thing to get the, the job done exactly how they, they want it. But that, you know, honestly isn't tenable from a prioritization standpoint, you know, in, in product and engineering. So, you know, how should those conversations happen? Cause not every salesperson and a customer is going to get what they want. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and my view is always a longer term view, right? Um, you know, we hear a lot around, um, you know, we'll say technical debt and things like that, where, for example, there may be things that we need to fix in the product or, you know, enhancements that we need to push, uh, you know, create. But a lot of times we're chasing after customer commitments, right? So in order to close this deal, we have signed a contract and said, we're going to deliver this functionality, right? So it's like, we're almost chasing after these things, right? And so my first approach is we need to take a long-term view, right? And then balance that with some of the short-term requests. And I think internally, um, in in terms of strong, I would say product management and leadership um, from that point of view, working with your sales leaders and your engineering leaders to be able to say, how are we balancing that long term of, you know, we're, we're trying to create product for, uh, you know, market trends and, and things like that. Right. Um, you know, so when we talk about like digital document transformation or artificial intelligence, like we got to make sure our products can deliver on some of those. But then at the same time, you know, we do have the reality of customers pay the bills. Right. And there are things that they need. So being able to balance some of that. So I think having a good, strong, open communication and leadership between your product managers, your sales leaders and your engineering leaders to be able to balance, you know, that long term and short term view, I think is is key because you're going to have to make some trade offs. Right. Not everybody's going to get what they want uh, when it when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you talked about a wanting to do, you know, sort of the. Uh, emotional intelligence and then, you know, the B, the professional development and growth and coaching. Um, what are some actual, you know, I don't know, sources or techniques or, or things that you've used there, you know, for people who are interested in that? I mean, it's another macro thing that you kind of go, well, of course we want that. And, you know, everybody wants that. Yep. Um, you know, but what do you actually do to start bringing that into your job? Yeah. So one of the things that we start with is I would say from a culture point of view. So with our, with, with my team specifically, you know, I talk about this notion of um, 1%, right? So if we can just get 1% better each day, um, you know, learn one new thing, um, you know, think where we'll be three days, three months, three years from now. Um, So that's the first is that we try to get that, you know, I would say learning um, curiosity and, and just kind of, development mindset in place. Um, And from there, you know, we do specific things. We'll have monthly, we call them development days, uh, where we get the entire worldwide team together. And we focus on some of those skills I talked about earlier, technical skills, selling skills, and some of the interpersonal skills, emotional intelligence, you know, being that. Um, And then within this, I think there's a big piece here, um, you know, it's something called psychological safety. So if you can create an environment, and this is back to culture, of a team that is willing to share and collaborate and make mistakes and learn from each other, you can create, you know, what I would call this self-learning environment, right? So when people need things or have a question or something's not working or anything like that, it's like, well, I'm going to go reach out to, you know, one of my peers um, or I'll post this, you know, internally and and find out who else can help me with that. But if you can have some of that vulnerability, uh, you know, where we don't know all the answers, right? And we may be the most senior person here, but we still run across things where we need help. 
Um, and sometimes just having somebody else's view, you know, like the beginner mind looking at it being like, Hey, have you thought about this? Oh yeah. Didn't think about that, you know, from, from that point of view. So I think creating a, an environment and a culture where you can learn, fail fast, um, iterate through things, um, and be vulnerable with each other, you know, really helps specifically with, with some of these ways of, improving the overall development, um, you know, of the individuals and then of the team and the organization overall. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those of us who are parents, you know, are thinking, yeah, you know, if you go ask your, your little kid, you know, for their input, you know, sometimes it's really valuable and you kind of go, geez, like my, my adult brain is, you know, completely broken. I never even thought of that from, you know, the kindergarten mindset. And I, I think it's the same thing. And, and we, we often encapsulate maybe some of that in the diversity discussion, you know, which is huge right now, you know, and, and thinking about we need different ways of of thinking, we need different opinions, we need different, you know, backgrounds, and all of that comes back to the, you know, emotional um, intelligence and an organization that, that creates a, a safe arena for those ideas to be shared, uh, opinions, you know, and, and, um, and not just sharing, but then, you know, grokking, right? How do you bring that in and kind of like turn that into a decision-making process where, where again, just like the customer, not everybody gets everything they want. Uh, but I do, as a contributor, need to feel valued for that. So it's it's a tightrope that leadership and, and everybody really, you know, has to walk because you need to be a contributor and a consumer of, of feedback and information all on that continuous uh, evolution to, you know, kind of getting better. Um, yeah, I don't know. Final tips on, on that, you know, I'm, I'm waxing philosophic a little bit, but, but you have me going, this is an interesting topic to me as well. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think one of the things in terms of feedback, right. And being heard, I think that's a really big piece, right. Is, you know, at times there are decisions that, you know, have to be made and you can't, you know, you can't, uh, get feedback from everybody and build consensus, right. Um, you, you may want to try and do that. And, you know, at all times, I think, at least from my point of view, I, I strive to do that, especially when I'm working across, uh, you know, departments, right? So when we're talking about, for example, you know, we need to close a deal and it's specific on functionality. It's like, how can I, you know, build consensus of why this is something we need to do, right? From that point of view. But if we can get input and feedback and have the individual's um, voice be heard, and then understand, and they understand, right? And as your leader, they understand that it's not always going to be go their way, right? It's not always going to be um, something that they're going to get. But if they feel like they are being heard and that their input and suggestions are being considered, and then you share with them, yeah, we're going to move forward with them. Or when you don't, you share with them why. I think that creates a lot of trust uh, throughout the organization and, and the individual. So I think that's important. Agreed. Agreed. So quick before we're, uh, we have to take off here, you know, tell us uh, a little bit about Conga, just in case anybody listening, you know, could, could benefit from uh, the solution. Who's it for? Uh, what's it do, you know, and, and how can people find more information if, if in fact they're the target uh, customer for you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at Conga, um, we uh, bill ourselves as di- digital document transformation um, experts. Um, so anything from you know proposals and quotes that you generate um, to contracts, uh, we like to say that we live on planet Salesforce. Uh, so we primarily are generating these documents uh, out from Salesforce, from your CRM. 
um, you know, and really helping organizations automate um, their documents, right, uh, from that point of view. And to find out more information, you could go to our website, uh, getconga.com. Fantastic. Eric, thanks for uh, sharing the insights today. Thanks for spending the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ledge. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.